0: Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Wine and Spirits Exhibition. The 54th edition of Vinitali was held from 10 to the 13th of April. If you missed it, don't worry, go to VinitaliPlus.com for on-demand recordings of all the sessions from the exhibition. And remember to save the date, the next edition of Vinitali will be held from the 2nd to the 5th of April, 2023.
2: Stevie Kim, this is the Italian wine club on Clubhouse. And like, I'm going to kill you because I thought we were supposed to have a break for Vinicially, but in fact, we only had one week break because you put this on Friday. (laughs) So, sorry about that. You know, we usually do it on Thursday, so we said let's take a break for Vinicially because everyone's been working really really hard and then I just saw that you know we have to do the clubhouse today but I'm, I'm glad that you were able to organize this so let me just welcome everybody um I, I don't even know this is a little bit earlier than we usually do so let's do this this like what what number episode is this is this
1: actually this is the 37th episode of the ambassador's corner
2: wow so that means For 37 weeks consecutively, we have been hosting the Ambassador's Corner, which is basically we ask one of our ambassadors to invite their favorite wine producer, and they do this kind of like a fireside chat, deep dive into this winery with the winemaker or producer or wine um, personality of that company. So today we have Justin with us from Hong Kong. Justin! Justin! Justin Hi. Chan, yes. he's of course a wine ambassador from Hong Kong. When did you do the course? I can't remember.
3: You mean the, uh, the, the ah, VIA ah yeah, it, yeah, it's the VI. it's in the Hong Kong version. I think it's in the November of
2: 2019. Right, you did the, the 2019. So actually that was the last year, the very last year before the pandemic. Yes, yes, I'm oh quite lucky God. actually. And I haven't seen you since actually.
3: Yeah because we uh, travel stopped uh, we don't have the chance to actually
2: see each other since then. So Justin what what is going on now in Hong Kong? What is what is the are you, you guys are not locked down, right? We or are not locked
3: down? down but we have social distance rules. Mm-hmm. So our, all of our co- course so far uh has been uh online. Uh so I hosted a I still host the class and also various different tasting sh- workshops. So we managed to send the samples to the participants. But, so, uh,
2: you're ba- so you're yeah. back to virtual tasting again?
3: Yeah, we, uh, because of the fifth wave, it's quite... Oh, yeah, but uh, we, are, we are improving now. So actually, seeing, uh, starting from the 21st of April, the social distance rule will be relaxed. So, we will actually, hopefully, we will uh, resume the face to face class in May, I think.
2: Oh, it's so crazy. You know, I see, um, of course, Kevin, Cheetah, Slavic. We've seen our in the audience, and we just saw them because they were here for Five Star Wines and Finnichley. We've just just concluded Vinitoli uh, the day before yesterday, it seems like ages ago. So we ran, of course, Five Star Wines, and then we did Vinitoli International Academy, and then we did Opera Wine, and four days of Vinitoli. So it's literally been a Vinitoli Marathon, and we have just concluded, and I was crossing my fingers every day just so that, you know, the COVID was under control so but yeah it's so difficult it's so crazy the fifth wave and definitely we are, the COVID, uh pandemic is not over yet anyways let's go back to the show justin is of course a wine educator and he works with i believe deborah myberg mwm wine school is that deborah's school
3: yes yes
2: okay yeah. so you work with deborah in hong kong and, of course, you are also our educator. You're running our Italian Wine Maestro program there. You are a diploma, WSET, and also a certified educator for them. And you, ha- you are the wine scholar, Gil, Italian wine scholar, and you're just one smart fellow. I think you are the best in our class from our graduating class, if I don't recall. So and you are very keen about Italian wine as well so Justin you have today with us Francesco uh, from um, Poliziano yes. why did you choose Francesco as your Francesco Car- Carletti as your favorite producer to be interviewed today so
3: actually um, first of all is the that I've been a uh, long uh, wine lover of their wine, uh, particularly their flagship wine, the Arsennone. Uh, actually, is one of my favorite uh, uh, Vino the di And uh, so I drink, I have been drinking their wine for quite a long time. Uh, but uh, actually, uh, I think the chance is that uh, uh, later on, I got to know um, their importer in Hong Kong, which was Cheta and uh, run by Katy Massey. So I think uh, uh, Kelly introduced me to uh, Francesco, and uh, I hosted several like uh, classes and uh, tasting workshops uh, uh, with Poliziano. So I think I get more and more uh, get to know this winery and appreciate their efforts to actually in the reviving of the, the, the fame of uh, vino Nobili. And uh, I even wrote, wrote an article in the local wine magazine about their winery. So that's the reason why I chose their winery for today's interview.
2: Excellent. Is Ketty still in um, Hong Kong? Yes, yes. Oh, so she's still living in Hong Kong?
3: Yeah, because I, 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 I think that... Uh, She said to me that uh, probably she will uh, uh, join today's interview as well, but so far I haven't seen her. Yeah,
2: you know, I mean, everyone is. I almost feel like everyone is fleeing Hong Kong. Of course, JC has moved to Verona. Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah, who taught the course here uh, last week, she has moved to Seattle in America. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Francesca, of course, Italian wine expert. He did the course with you, right? No. Yeah, he did. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, was living in Italy for just a brief period. In fact, he also translated Professor Attilio last June for the mm-hmm. VF flagship edition. And mm-hmm. then he's now living in Argentina. Oh, really? So, okay. yeah. So he couldn't come um, and join us this year. But I feel like everyone is just, you know, fleeing Hong Kong at the moment. Let's hope that, you know, we are very, very, uh, we have a very close relationship with Hong Kong because we've been doing going to Hong Kong and have invested so much of our resources and energy and created a community of VIA in Hong Kong. So we hope we can come back go back very soon and to see you and our VIA community members. So Justin, um, as you know, we look mm-hmm. for some learning objectives that we would like to anticipate to our audience. By the way, as everybody knows, this um, recording will be replayed on Italian Wine podcast. And I have to s- tell you that it is one of our most popular series. In the beginning, I was a little bit hesitant because we used to record for about 15 minutes for a podcast. And then I said, like, who the hell's going to listen to an hour um, talking, chatting about you know, wine. But it turns out that everyone is very much interested in the deep dive version. So very, very popular indeed. So tell us about the learning objectives.
3: Yeah. Uh, actually, I think, uh, basically, uh, would like to uh, introduce you guys to this great winery to understand their history and mm-hmm. the latest development. And also, I would like to talk a little bit in depth about their uh, two top uh, wines, uh, single vineyard wine, with a completely different terroir, which actually give it a chance to understand uh, the diversity uh, of the terroir in Vino Nobly so that they can make into a 2 single vineyard wine with Sangiovese uh, but completely different characteristics. And, uh, and finally, I would like to actually talk also a little bit about this project, uh, the Alliance uh, Venam, uh, which is actually the project, uh, um, uh, Poliziano is one of the members and to actually try, uh, try their efforts to actually really to uh, achieve the renaissance of Vino Nobile. So I think uh, these are the basic, I think, uh, uh, learning uh, points that uh, I would like to achieve for today.
2: Okay, great. So over to you, Justin. I'll come back towards the end to, and close up the room. And if there are any questions, we'll take a few questions, etc. Okay? So on those rare occasions, I will shut up now, believe it or not And let you take over.
3: Okay, thank you, Stevie. And then uh, let's welcome uh, Francesco Caletti and ciao, Francesco.
4: Buongiorno, Justin. Ciao to everybody.
3: Yeah, ciao, Francesco. uh, Buonasera. And uh, so I think uh, probably my first question is about uh, uh, your background. And uh, actually, I understand that you studied engineering in the university. So actually, I think the audience and also myself, Will be a little bit curious about uh, why you choose to actually um, uh, still work with your dad for the wineries matter. So, what's your original plan? And uh, uh, since when you started really uh, seriously involved in your winery matter?
4: So, I, um, when I was around uh, 15, 15 years old, actually, even earlier, 13, 14. Um, you know, winery-wise, um, my my father and, uh, and and all the people who work in the winery have always told me that uh, what is truly essential for for our business is to speak English. So, so I've always been forced, uh, let's say, to uh, to learn it uh, through private lessons, uh, summer camps, and and things like this. And ever since I was around 10, 11, uh, but I do remember that one summer, uh, I was in a room with five uh, people, five guys of around the same age as me, who were all from London, and throughout those three weeks, I literally did not understand uh, much about what they were talking about, so so I said to myself, I really need to learn it, and if, uh, and in order to do that, I am, I am willing to uh, leave my hometown Montepulciano, and move abroad. And uh, for various reasons, I, I I decided to choose and move to Scotland, great, uh, where I lived for yeah, where I lived for around six years. Uh, for ver- I'm not going to go in too much details. Uh, There's no any, there's nothing uh, wine related over there. And, uh, and my plans due to the fact that I had uh, several friends from there, I sort of, you know, found my, my position in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I decided to remain in Scotland. And, uh, you know, since I was very good at physics and and mathematics, I decided to do engineering but Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as I finished uh, I wasn't really I I did enjoy the course but not as much as I I expected Um, so when I returned home in 2019 I was uh, my plan was just to you know spend the summer over there and start planning my future and you know um my father sort of um, sort of said, "Why why don't you follow me? Uh, come to the vineyards, uh, follow the harvest, and you know, day after day, week after week, month after month." I just convinced myself that uh, my my place was to be in the winery. So, so I let's say I've officially joined the winery somewhere around the end of two thousand nineteen, early mm-hmm. twenty twenty. Okay. Uh, and I became actually the—that's uh, sort of funny—I um, became the uh, expert manager for the winery first February 2020, so <laughs> right before COVID uh, started.
3: Okay, so um, so how about your export business? Uh, uh, is the business actually affected by the COVID? Of course. Uh, the, it should be um, but uh, I think the things are getting better right now. So probably you will become more and more busy
4: uh, Yeah, actually the well the the very um, a Challenging uh, year was 2020 uh, mm-hmm. especially for not really the uh, the um, uh, For spe- specifically for the Italian market uh, that was uh, we, we had a lot of challenge uh, in the, in those in that market specifically, uh, but twenty twenty one has been a really successful year. we we sort of uh, re- returned back to our usual uh, sales uh, standards. so so no, we, we everything is doing better now. obviously, uh, as you probably as probably everybody knows we we have all uh, various new challenges to to face. Uh, and you know we we started thinking about, transitioning a little bit more towards uh digital forms of uh, communications of sales and mm-hmm. uh and other things but so far the the, the you know everything is is doing well uh, i'm only missing and really looking forward to to start traveling again which is you know uh, <laughs> that's that's what yeah. i was signing for uh, right at the beginning and uh, and i haven't had the chance to to do such uh, especially because i'm majorly focusing myself on markets which are outside of Europe. So uh, pretty challenging to to reach there uh, in the last two years.
3: Okay, fantastic. Uh, we are also really uh, look forward to seeing you in Hong Kong uh, yes. once you got a chance to travel to here. So uh, my second question is a little bit about your history and the latest development, because uh, we all know that Poliziano is one of the leading wineries in uh, Montepulciano. And uh, actually, this is the winery that really um, uh, is one of the pioneers to started the modernization of the uh, viticulture and, uh, and the winemaking for Vino Nobili. So could you give us a little bit about the, the backgrounds and also your latest development?
4: Uh, so the, um, the winery was founded in, uh, in 1961 by my, my grandfather, uh, he, uh, my my grandfather specifically wasn't a really, um, it, it was it wasn't a person who was involved in uh, agriculture in general because at the time when he elevated the estate, uh, the estate wasn't uh, majorly focusing on on grape production, and therefore wine. Uh, so, so my my, my grandfather started uh, to to reorient the winery, or rather the estate, towards. Uh, uh you know vines cultivations and uh and producing wine mm-hmm. but as you uh, as, as you said uh, everything started off sort of uh, later on when when my father really started um my father uh, graduated in agriculture engineering uh so he he was really uh, he knew a lot more things than my grandfather on uh, on on cultivating in, in general and um and you know everything from 1980 practically because my father graduated in 1978 Uh, he did Mm -hmm. some working experience around uh, Italy Mm -hmm. in Verona specifically and uh, and also in Montalcino Mm and in 1980 he decided to fully took over the business um, for which my my, my grandfather was sort of quite happy about it and uh, and uh, ever since he started um, he made uh, the first bottles, actually not the first bottles of the, Inunabia, the one those ones were made by by my, my grandfather, uh, but he changed the labels uh, and he was the one who uh, started the Asinone, which uh, by the way is uh, one of the first uh, single vineyards, not only in Montepulciano but also in, in Tuscany. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Ever since then he obviously as you were saying uh, we started with uh, Modernizing the uh, the approach of cultivation uh, So sort of changing what it was the tradition of the time Uh, He uh, he was greatly influenced by international approaches uh, especially in terms of aging and uh, And we kept on building the, the company initially we had only around 20 22 actors Whereas now we have about 130, 140 hectares in the uh, Montepulciano area. Uh, we also have uh, three other, two, two and a half other estates. Uh, one of them, which is the the uh, the last in terms of time, uh, which was acquired in 2017, is uh, you know sort of in the middle between the territory of Montepulciano and the the close uh, Torrita area, mm-hmm. or Montefallonicu in and w- with with more um, details mm-hmm. and, and then we also have another around 25 20, 20 25 actors in the, the Maremma in Maremma mm-hmm. um, And another seven actors in Cortona, which is just up north uh, Montepulciano.
3: Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So uh, so basically I uh, let the audience to get familiar with your uh, uh, Your different generations. So I think your grandfather is Dino right and uh, your father yes. is yep. Federico right so exactly, exactly. yeah I think uh, I think probably Federico uh, uh, is the the figure that uh, has been uh, widely reported uh, about for your winery I think Porziano I think he because he is really the pioneer in terms of modernization, so he mm-hmm. is the guy that uh, trying to uh, uh, produce the wine at the low yield and also involve a modern uh, equipments and also the French exactly. uh, uh, barrel agent for the wines. So really, mm-hmm. really, actually, made mo- modernized the, the style of uh, of uh, the Vino Nobile that you are produce. Uh, you have uh, you was. Uh, you were producing, but uh, actually nowadays I have learned from you previously. Uh, actually, there's a, uh, a gradually as a as a kind of like a style uh, switching back to a a little bit more like traditional style. Could you elaborate a little bit on this process? Uh,
4: yes, um, what what you said is a- absolutely right. Uh, but um, I would like also to make a point. Um, although my grandfather was. Uh, what was not a winemaker uh, and um, he uh, nonetheless he was the one who started everything you know mm-hmm. so uh, as an example uh, other than relevating the f- initial twenty two actors uh, and building the first the really first agent cellar, he was also the one who elevated the the Asinona vineyard uh, so so uh, you know and, and he did it in a in not a um He didn't have any economical uh, idea you know it was it was truly just for um, for passion Uh, very romantic idea uh, Mm because my my grandfather was working in the the construction business in in Italy and um, he was forced since he was working in a very big company uh, which wasn't set locally uh, he he was forced to to move around Italy. Uh, as an example, my father lived uh, for seven years in Sardinia mm-hmm. and and the the decision to relevate the estate uh, was also to sort of sentimentally move back to his own town and, uh, and, and And I think this is uh, you know, it, it is very important in, in light of what my father eventually did Uh coming to my father yes uh, you know he was very um, uh, in the 80s i think wine producers were not as many as there are today uh, especially in, in Tuscany. so uh, very in in a very short period of time he managed to get to know uh, many of them and, and started sharing thoughts and uh, and, and you know th- that was the decade when or even the decade before uh, the 70s when you know all uh, new approaches, new modern approaches were, were starting to be developed. And my father has, uh, he, his primary goal was to um, stop making uh, carboy wine and, and start bottling, start making wine which was growing in the quality and, mm-hmm. rather than the quantity. So, mm-hmm. Uh, so he 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 basically started experimenting. Uh, he started experimenting. He sooner or later realized that he required a certain certain level of uh, technical, more modern uh, equipments. And so he built a winery. He built a cellar. He renovated the aging cellar. So so he has experimented a lot. Um, around the end of the nineties, early two thousands. Year after year, he started realizing that, uh, and, and nowadays it's very clear to everybody. But um, uh, the weather, you know, the temperature started rising, mm-hmm. and um, and and with the type of density, the type of uh, uh, vineyard treatments uh, that we, he has been carrying from the 80s until the early 2000s. Uh, he realized that the vineyards were suffering. Um, mm-hmm. Climate change was, was playing a huge role. And and that's why ever since the early 2000s, he uh, changed the focus. So he started uh, focusing more, first of all, in uh, a little bit higher elevated places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we, we stopped acquiring or planting in very low altitude uh, the places of the Montepulciano territory. And he mm-hmm. started going a little bit higher up. Uh, and as well he started uh, you know adjusting the density Uh, he moved from 5,800 6,000 plants per hectare more back to the 5,000 5,200 then he raised the um, the 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 height of the of the plants and then obviously uh, a huge um, a huge study internal study of the best clones of Sangiovese the best rootstocks which were adapting in the and in, uh, in, in the various territories, the various terroir that we that we have, because um, our estate is not uh, placed in only one specific position of Montepulciano, but it's displaced all across the um, the, the town, the, the territory. Mm hmm.
3: Mm hmm great um, so yeah. i think uh, yeah uh, i think we will also talk a little bit about the, the style uh, switching when we yep. uh, discuss your two uh, single vineyard wines i think uh, mm-hmm. uh, talking about your wine i would like to first discuss about your basic vino nobile di Montepulciano. i think this one yep, is uh, for me is a really really uh, a lovely wine and very consistent wine and also with uh, uh, excellent value uh, so this is a wine actually produced in a fairly large uh, uh, quantity, but uh, yeah. year in year out, you can still maintain a very good quality and consistency. Could you share us a little bit about uh, uh, the basic style of your Vino Nobile di Montepulciano that you, uh, as a as a as a producer, that you want to achieve, and also the efforts that you have been that have been done. Uh, in the vineyard and also in the cellar that you you guys uh, are Trying to keep the consistency and the quality of this basic uh, vino nobile.
4: Well um, the, the, the Yeah, you, first of all, yeah, you you did mention something uh, re- Relatively important uh, about the the numbers of bottles that we make of this wine uh, On average we make about 150 180 thousand bottles of uh, our regular vino nobile. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I would say its style, uh, f- uh you know, Sangiovese is really, is greatly influenced and maybe we will, uh, talk it, talk, talk about it in, with greater details when we touch the, the, the cruise, mm-hmm. but, um, Sangiovese as a variety, we, we call it is a phenotypic variety. So it's greatly and hugely, uh, impacted by the, the terroir, the microclimate, the soils, uh, where where it is grown, and um, and and so so this brings me to uh, the type of terroir that we have in in Montepulciano. Uh, mm-hmm. Montepulciano is situated a little bit up north than Montalcino, mm-hmm. and uh, and and relatively souther than than the Chianti Classico area. So we're sort of right in the middle. Uh, the type of weather that we have is quite continental. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and the characteristics of our soils is although we have uh, some in some cases we have uh, some more um, some more uh, sandy soils the the tendency is to find uh, is to always find clay clay soils and and clay soils usually produce uh, very um, usually sort of um, highlights the the tannic side of of Sangiovese. So, so style-wise, I would say that our Vino Nobile, uh, which is, at the end of the day, a blend of the various parcels that we have all across the, the Montepulciano territory, um, is, a, is quite of a powerful, uh, medium-to-full structured type of wine, mm-hmm. and, and it's sort of, has always, been like this uh, for ever since my father started producing it. Um, over the years, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, we have started to go a little bit higher in, in elevation, and we have also acquired, uh, especially towards the Valiano area, mm-hmm. uh, which is a like a like a like a fraction of uh, yeah. uh, of Montepulciano territory. Um, some uh, a lot of a lot of um, vineyards, a lot of soils which have a strong base of sand, mm-hmm. which. Inevitably has uh, as allowed us to make some more uh, lightweight, more acidity-based type of uh, Sangiovese, which are uh, pretty much every year in the last uh, say five to six years uh, been blended in the in the in the Vino Nobile and the regular Vino Nobile. Mm-hmm. So I would say that um, although the the primarily structure um, so this medium to almost full-bodied depending on the vintage uh, vino nobile is uh, slowly in the last 10 15 years starting to be um, to, to grow in acidity grow in freshness and, and 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 we're starting to contain it a little bit more in, uh, in, 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 in powerfulness um, in terms of uh, say you know t- uh, in terms of taste uh, the wine is uh, there's no doubt about it it's becoming more typical uh, every day, every year more. Um, as you know, in Montepulciano we have, we're a little bit different than Montalcino. We have uh, a 70% minimum of Sangiovese. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father has always worked within the 70 to 80, 85% of Sangiovese, whereas the the remaining was uh, was always Canaiola and Colorino, which are local varieties of uh, our territory. Mm-hmm. But I would, we, we can also say Tuscany in general. And um, and a little bit of Merlot as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last, uh, I would say, two, three, four years, we have started to consistently grow the percentage of Sangiovese. And now we are almost reaching 95% of Sangiovese. So it's around 92, 90-92%. Uh, the, the Nobile 2018, which is the one that we are currently... Have in the market, it's around uh, 92, and I think 2019 is even a little bit more, so nearly 95. Uh, so, so you know, uh, the wine is very typical. Uh, it's it's uh, the, our approach is to to make it more balanced and more uh, and more a, a very a, a wine which expresses itself in uh, in equilibrium between the tannic and the structure and the freshness, and, uh, and the fruitiness.
3: Okay. So, um, this wine... Uh, so, um, not, uh, the traditionally uh, speaking, that they, uh, the wine always involves a little bit of Merlot, so I would ask you that uh, you still believe that that recipe will actually... Uh, uh, you, you would still keep that recipe to, uh, to involve a little bit of Merlot in, in the future uh, vintage for, for this regular uh, Vino Nobile? Or you will consider maybe eventually you, you will actually uh, use uh, only the local
4: grape varieties? I, I, I think that, uh, well, th- this is more of a, a question to me, I would say. Um, I, I think uh, <laughs> uh, our, our approach is to, to, um, to probably reach the 100% Sangiovese in, in, the, in the close future. Uh obviously this also has a huge I mean, as I was saying earlier, uh, Sangiovese is phenotypic and, and and when you have a very favorable vintage, you as twenty eighteen or two thousand nineteen we 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 managed to make a lot of really, really, really good Sanjavese. Mm-hmm. Uh so I I believe that when these vintages occur, um uh, we we will always try to push for the one hundred percent the purity of Sangiovese. Okay. Uh, probably in a little bit more difficult vintages, uh, we we might be still be blending. And concerning the Merlot question, for sure, uh, in, in the next years we're gonna we're gonna erase that uh, that component as well. Okay. Okay. Good.
3: So uh, I think because of the, the the weather and global warming, I think also because of your your um, I say choosing the right colognes of Sangiovese I think it, your 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 winery is now I, I think it's uh, I got a feeling that you have become more more and more confidence in using uh, a higher percentage of Sangiovese or even a hundred percent Sangiovese for the regular uh, vino nobili so I think uh, yeah this is the um, uh, probably I will look forward to taste uh, more new vintages and uh, I think to get a a, a more updated feeling about uh, uh, your regular vino nobody and uh, in terms of the two um, uh, cruises and the single vineyard wines I think uh, Arsenone is probably the most famous one and uh, mm. uh, this is the one that uh, actually um, uh, uh, used to be one of my favorite and uh, and because of this wine that I I got to know uh, uh, Poliziano um, but uh, through our Previous mass class and also tasting workshops. Uh, I also got to know another uh, actually uh, very elegant vineyard, which is uh, uh, La Cagiole. So I think yeah. uh, could you just uh, 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 introduce a little bit about these two these two vineyards and uh, the uh, terroir components and uh, the different style uh, of the resulting wines.
4: Oh yeah, um, so. Um but both of them are, uh, as you said, single vineyards. So they're both coming from uh, one specific uh, vineyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, a, a funny aspect, I would say, or a curious aspect, more curious than funny, is that uh, both of the two vineyards have been planted in the 60s. So they uh, fully, to, to some extent, fully represent the, um, the traditional approach on, on planting, um, both of them are cultivated, not in curtain spurn, which is the which was the Let's say the typical approach that we would had in the 80s and the 90s uh, But it's Guyot and mm-hmm. and the tent the the density is a little bit higher than the real tradition uh, mm-hmm. We are in the four thousand five hundred um, Plants per hectare, but uh, But obviously, it's nothing compared to what it was in in the 80s. Um, And and actually, another very uh, particular aspect, uh, specifically of the Asinone, Um, Mm -hmm. the Asinone is not, uh, so it, it is to some extent representing the tradition. But it is also not because, um, you know, in, in Tuscany, we would always plant our vineyards in a, we, we, we call it rittochino So so all the vines, all the rows are going from the top to the bottom, mm-hmm. straight.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, whereas the Essinone, for its peculiar shape, um, its peculiar, uh, yeah, its peculiar shape, um, is actually planted from left to right, uh, as mm-hmm. they would most likely, uh, as they would do in, in, in uh, the Barolo area, as an example. Okay, okay. Um, and specifically about the, the, the two wines, uh, the, the two wines are approached and they are uh, managed exactly in the same way, in terms of uh, treatment throughout the years, um, but also in terms of selection of the berries and the grapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we initially make a first selection prior harvest. Um, then there is um and then once all the grapes are collected and brought down to the cellar, we undergo uh, a, another additional secondary uh, selection made by hand. So you know the, the really traditional and and popular uh, rolling table. Where you have uh, several people at each side of the table and hand picking specifically uh, every single berry, you know, taking out the leaves and and other things. Um, concerning the the, the soil, uh, Asinone is a uh, almost forty to forty five percent of uh, clay soil, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
4: whereas Licajal is uh, around um, four to five in some places even seven percent of clay but the vast majority is just sand Uh, Mm -hmm. i think the the richest point uh, it has around 72 73 percent of sand so two completely different soils. another curious aspect is that these two vineyards are only around 800 meters apart Um, okay so so you know that that sort of shows you the, the 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 differences that you can You can have in in our territory uh, not specifically of police but of Montepulciano in general Uh, But what we have discovered actually in very recent period of time is that both of these two soils are coming uh, are coming from one of the most ancient uh, geological area uh, of of, of Locally, uh, which Mm -hmm. is the Pliocene. So we're talking about five to six million years ago Yeah, and and you know, these soils have been they, they came out from from the seaside, from the water, again, uh, several millions years uh, of years ago, and this means that the soils are really poor. So, so they do not produce massive quantities of grapes, uh, but it, they produce a lot less, and therefore the vines are capable uh, to concentrate more uh, in, in those grapes. So, low and 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 you know, due to the, this aspect and the aspects of, uh, you know, their soil composition, you have two different types of, of grapes. The Asinonia grape tend to be extremely small with mm-hmm. very, very thick skin. And therefore, mm-hmm. you know, here you have a lot of tannins, a lot yeah. of structure, a lot of color. And yeah. and my father has always worked uh, to, in, in, this, in this idea. Uh, therefore, you know, uh, whenever I... Whenever I go around the, in the market, I, I've, I'm always being told that yes, you know, it's the perfect wine to have with uh, with a bistecca, as an example, yeah. so very, yeah. very fat, uh, very um, powerful type of food. Yeah. Uh, whereas liquorone is almost the opposite. Yeah. You tend to have relatively bigger berries with with a little bit thinner skin. Uh, mm. So the major differences. In, in the making of the two wines is is during the fermentation and maturation. Since you have greater skin in the Acinoid, you tend to maturate it a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. We're talking about uh, three, four, maybe five days more. Mm-hmm. And um, and in terms of aging, the, the two wines uh, pretty much follow the same approach, um, with the only difference that... Um, the Asinone tends to go a little bit more in New Oak uh, rather than Lecagiole, uh, simply because uh, Le Jolly needs to be more typical. Okay. Uh, we have stopped uh, ever since the. I would say 10-15 years ago, to use primarily barriques. Uh, we're now introducing more larger, uh, larger barrels. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a preference for our San Jovita with the toe nose. So those are the uh, types of barrels that we use for this two crews. Mm-hmm. And um, whereas for the Vino Nobilе, uh, we we actually mixed uh, the toe nose with the big barrels and and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the major difference between this two, Asinone and Le Cajole, which are, uh, by the way, I, I didn't mention 100% Sangiovese, both of them. Um, I- if you taste them, you you sooner or later realize that these are two completely different wines. Um, yes, yes. And, and this is truly uh, based on what I was just explaining earlier. Uh, it's the terroir, it's the, it's the soil, and it's alternatively what you get as a grape. Uh, Asinone is a full-structured, uh, very powerful, very uh, very large uh, to some extent wine, mm-hmm. whereas Le Cajol is completely the opposite, right the opposite. It's a very uh, very light. Uh, you have a very medium to to lightweight type of structure, but you have this length, this great acidity, which which makes this wine, uh, you know, extremely pleasant, extremely fresh. And, and very very long and and, and vertical. Um, and again, as I was saying, uh, both of them are 100% Sangiovese. The approach is pretty much identical, but here the territory, the soil is really making uh, a huge difference. And yeah. I always like to finish off by saying that the Leccadello is the feminine side of Montepulciano Sangiovese, yeah. Whereas Asinone is the masculine side of Ah, uh, Montebucho
3: yeah, these two wines actually, I think is a fantastic examples that if you want to do a comparison comparative tasting and to show the diversity of the tewa in vino Nobile, I think these two wines are, are the are the perfect choices. So um, i uh, I think uh, we uh, in our previous uh, uh, tasting workshops, we compare these two wines side by side. It really actually show the show the difference, and I think that the participants are are, are all, um, were all actually amazed by the the, the the difference between the two wines. The Arsenone is uh, a, a little bit muscular and powerful, and uh, the Licciolli uh, is more feminine. Uh, and elegant, and showing more like Asinone, showing more like a darker fruit, black fruits, and uh, the yep. Lirajo showing more red fruit characters. And I also Absolutely. actually um, uh, know that uh, probably you can also uh, introduce a little bit about the 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 the, the 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 names of the two wines. Actually, there's a story behind oh, yeah. uh, the both names. I actually it's quite interesting.
4: Uh, well, the um, uh, the the Asinone is well Asinone in Italian. For those who don't uh, don't speak Italian means big donkey mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this is primarily due to the the shape of the uh, of the vineyard um, if by any chances you might you know uh, find yourself in front of a Nasione bottle you just uh, turn the bottle look at the back label and you have a refiguration of the vineyard, and it looks like the back of a donkey uh, and that's why it is called the big donkey uh, whereas Licajolle is um, it, it, the name is not specifically related to the uh, to the vineyard, but it's mm-hmm. related to the area okay. in, in which uh, l- uh, the the vineyard is grown uh, is situated. Uh, and I, if I do not go wrong, Licajolle used to be a type of flower which was uh, incredibly present in the in, in that specific area. Okay. Uh, from my understanding, this type of flowers have, uh, you know, they're much more rare nowadays. Uh, probably the, the 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 climate has changed, and therefore uh, they are not capable of uh, of appearing uh, that often as they used to.
3: Okay. So, uh, I think just one point technically about uh, probably I think the exposure of both vineyard also. Uh, has something to do with the different styles and uh, the vineyard for Asinone is south and southwest, and uh, yep. the vineyard for Leccadiole uh, is uh, east, uh, facing the east. So I think the,
4: the probably the uh, the, it, the, the it actually, exposure. It, yeah. It, it is actually facing Leccadiole is facing north. Oh no. The, sorry. the hill. Okay. The 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 hill is facing north. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, and actually another thing. Um, you know, the, on on a on a regular basis, you would think that uh, you know clay soil tends to be a little bit more arid, and that is actually the case. Uh, you don't have a lot of uh, uh, high vegetation uh, around the Asinone. so that that is actually a really really warm uh, place. Whereas Leccejone, uh, also because of sand, but uh, but also because it has this uh, little Uh, Mediterranean uh, forest uh, at the back of the vineyard Mm -hmm. tends to be a little bit fresher Um, And and funny enough, uh, this is something that um, My father and my sister have started realizing uh, In in the last few years that 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 area is also Relatively warmer during the night. So when when it should be colder, it's actually warmer Mm -hmm. and during the day is actually a little bit uh, fresher than, 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 you know, similar positions of the same type of altitude. Uh, both of the two vineyards are in between the 400 to 500 meters level on the, okay. uh, on the, on the seaside level.
3: Okay. So uh, I understand that Le Caglioli, uh is the wine that uh, you produced for, uh, for this uh, 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 Alliance uh, Venom project. So, uh, yeah. so probably also take this opportunity that uh, for you to um, introduce a little bit about this uh, project and the concept of uh, uh, Renaissance of Vino Nobile. Uh,
4: yeah, uh, so, let, uh, let, let me add this: um, Liccioli actually used to be produced uh, around the uh, at the end of the eighties uh, mm-hmm. until the mid nineties. Uh, but mm-hmm. then my father, uh, if you ask him, he would. Uh, he would uh, almost scream at you saying, uh, er- ironically, uh, he-, he did the wrong choice to, to-, to stop the production of Le mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we restarted again in 2015 uh, in-, in-, in accordance with, uh, with these other producers. Um, the Alliance is composed of um, at its foundation of six wineries uh, from Montepulciano, uh, mm-hmm. Avignonisi, Salcheto um la Braccesca, uh, dei poliziano and boscarelli mm-hmm. so uh, you know six wineries which and i'm not saying those are the only wineries but uh six wineries which uh, have been recognized in the market in the last uh, 10 20 years 30 years uh, to to produce high quality wines and uh, it's it's a long story but let's say that um you know, throughout the last 10, 15 years, uh, our Montepulciano has been, has had many problems in terms of communication. Uh, the The first thing which I, I believe everybody have thought about uh, at least once is the confusion between Montepulciano, the town placed in Tuscany and Montepulciano d'Abruzzo, the grape. Yeah. Um, so we, um, so all, over the, the last 10-15 years uh, our consortium and all the producers have started uh, thinking about solving this communication problem uh, but we never really came with a uh, solid conclusion so the alliance Vinum, uh, so the six producers decided around 2017 if i mm-hmm. do not go wrong to um, you know to gather uh, to gather themselves and and start like a like a more uh, inner uh, conversation between the the six of us, and uh, and and we agreed that the best way to tackle this type of problem is to uh, sort of rename uh, our wines, not Vino Nobile di Montepulciano, but rather just Vino Nobile. That was the time when when we wanted to shorter the uh, the name uh, because you know at the end of the day. Uh, it's Barolo, it's uh, Chianti, it's uh, Brunello, it's mm-hmm. uh, Morellino. So, you know, one mm-hmm. word, uh, very easy, uh, very easy to uh, pronunciate. You, you cannot uh, really uh, imagine how, how difficult for some people. And, you know, I, I truly understand them when they try to, to pronounce the, the full word, uh, the full sentence, Vino Nobile di Montepulciano, and that, you know, either in the States or in China or, or, or elsewhere. Uh, so uh, obviously, you know, it, it wasn't only just a matter of changing the word, but it was also a matter of, um, you know, uh, thinking about uh, reconstructing the 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 wine itself, because you know our the the Vino Nobile was uh, initially thought uh, in the sixties, end of sixties, then rebranded in the 80s. So th- that type of approach in terms of uh, blendings, in terms of uh, aging, in terms of, um, you know, period that it has to be in the bottle and, and so on was uh, relatively old for, for, for the time, you know, 2017. So uh, they also gathered in order to think about uh, what, what, what type of new wine. Uh, Montepulciano could have made after this uh, almost 60 plus years of uh, of winemaking experience, mm-hmm. and we uh, and we came to conclude that the best approach uh, is to have a 100% Sangiovese, mm-hmm. a crew coming from old vines, uh, which uh, you know has um, as a minimum aging of around uh, 12. In most of the cases of the wineries is a little bit more in wood uh, not the use of uh, new oak in particular and neither the barriques but try to use a little bit larger barrels mm-hmm. and and give the wine some more time in the bottle in fact uh, the asinone tends to come up come out in the market a little bit earlier the Lecajole tends to stay a little bit more time in in the, in the bottle before it goes in the market um, what else is there to say? Uh, n- n- nothing much. Uh, so, so I, this I can...
3: is still an ongoing project. So, you will continue that that uh, concept and it's trying to uh, explore more on that.
4: Um, well, the uh, you know, in, in two thousand and seventeen, we gathered and mm-hmm. uh we started thinking and proposing i actually did not mention one thing um my father was already uh, at that time uh since in since 2006 and 7 he replanted a lot of vineyards which uh because we don't only have that one vineyard in Lica Jolera, but we have several more mm-hmm. uh, so he started replanting them and uh, and in, in the process of replanting he he paid uh, much more attention to the wine, and you know the the, the major characteristics of uh, uh, Ligiole, so it's this uh, very f- this freshness, this great acidity, this, uh, this um, you know almost uh, no existence of tannins, uh, he, he, re- he sort of rediscovered it. So Policeno was already uh, planning on on coming back out with uh, Lica but around, again, 2017, um, all these other producers uh, started talking, started thinking about, you know, gathering and, and discussing. So um, so eventually, later on in 2018, 19-slash, uh, they all came out with uh, with their crew 2015 vintage. But we, we were already planning on on coming out whether the alliance was existing or not. Eventually, this discussion uh, extended uh, towards uh, the entire denomination. Mm-hmm. I think uh, there was also another uh, similar association uh, which uh, was founded around the same period of time, um, and and that allowed us. Uh, actually, uh, Stevie knows about it because she she was one of the. Uh, she she actually had a, um, uh, let's say a masterclass where she. Her and Attilio Scenza had uh, some really nice thoughts about how a new wine should be uh, communicated and made. Mm-hmm. So we, with an internal discussing within the consortium and uh, we are nowadays uh, planning, it is not yet sure which from which vintage, but we're going to be uh, coming out, All, all the, the entire denomination is going to be coming out with a new wine, uh, which is going to be called Le Pierri. Um it's going to be it's basically a um, we, we basically have overviewed the uh, the denomination and outlined 12 very high uh, sort of um, uh, Terroir related uh, mm-hmm. uh micro areas within the denomination and uh, And you know curious enough uh, one of these areas is going to be called liquor
3: Okay <laughs> Okay fantastic so um i really look forward to that uh, maybe we can have a chance in the future to taste these uh, these uh, 12 uh, really represent a different terwas in uh, so it's uh, more like uh, is a is a kind of a concept of like uh, mga or uh, uh, yeah, yeah. 12 area
4: right mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely okay, it is. Great, fantastic, it, it, it is.
3: fantastic because uh, the reason the development in County Classical is also that they have uh, actually launched the the the, the, the at least it, their it, consortium it, has already approved on the on the MG. It, it is yeah. it,
4: it is literally the the same thing. Uh, the the only difference is that uh, we um we group the micro areas based on also uh, historical bounds uh, because lipievi uh, are churches okay uh, Yeah.
3: you have a more like a unique names <laughs> you yeah, have a more yeah, unique a, name a, belong to um channels. i think that's a good idea because you have a a slightly different name more reflect the local culture to refer to mm-hmm. your actually mge concept that, that that's a fantastic uh, uh, i think idea so I think uh, we still have a couple of minutes. I think I would like to um, give back to uh, Stevie and to see, uh, and also uh, see whether uh, uh, there's any questions about uh, our session.
2: So first of all, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yep. Okay. First of all, you guys have been so thorough. Uh, let's give it up for Justin Chen and Francesco. Thank you. Francesco, <laughs> Thank you. I am so impressed. Um first of all, you have a clearly a great command of not only English but also your wine stuff. And I think we were enthralled, all of us just listening to you. Uh, i I don't recall meeting you, Francesco, but I would love to have a chat with you next time I see you and congratulations, Francesco, did you come up to Vietley? Uh,
4: I did. I actually did you mean uh, uh, how was how was it How was Vinitoli for you? Well, uh, yeah, it's, um, you, know, you can I tell abroad. me the
2: truth. We're only going to you know, only five thousand other people will be listening on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: you know, I, uh, I lived abroad, so uh, I I was never um, I never had the chance to go there has you know simply as the the son of. Right. That. So so that was actually my first. that was your first. You were virtually virgin. Uh, in Italy. Yes. Oh my goodness. i I loved it i i I really enjoyed it uh although most of my colleagues were saying that um you know there were a lot less people uh than than the usual but but it was uh it was it was really good you know i i managed to to get to taste some really really good wines and uh and and get to know some really really nice people and and obviously you know uh after Venetia, that's where the, the social starts, and and I I really enjoyed uh, so that you one. you party in Bottega. No, no, not as much, but uh, no, I was in, uh, in the in the square. Uh, right, very right. Most right. Of the times,
2: yeah. Okay, excellent. So listen, on uh, this episode will air soon, um, Joy.
1: Uh, May the fifth. That seems to be the date I have on my calendar for this episode.
2: Okay, so this will this recording will air on the fifth of May. But I want to, um, um, I have a small ask for everybody and please spread the word. We got the listed on Spotify and we had some issues. So please go back and follow us and listen to us on Spotify so we can rebuild um, bigger and better. But we have been getting a lot of, lot of listens. So thank you all for following us. It, as you know, it's a, it's a labor of love. So please send in those comments. And spread the good word and gospel about Italian. Thank you very much, Justin and Francesco. See you, you very see. soon, here or there. Ciao ragazzi. Yeah, hope Thanks so. so yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Ah. Ciao ciao, food
3: team. Ciao. Have
4: a good day. Ciao.
0: Ciao, ciao. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Italian Wine Podcast. Brought to you by Venitely International Wine and Spirits Exhibition, the biggest drinks trade fair in the world. Save the date! The next edition of Vini will be held the 2nd through the 5th of April, 2023. Remember to subscribe to Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find us at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin!